The following is brought to you by Will Harris, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for December 29th, 2021. It's your old pal Justin Robert Young. Christmas is over. The holidays are winding down. In fact, we are at the end of our allotted time for 2021 in general. And so it's always helpful to look back and to do so. We've got one of our favorites, Kevin Ryan. Welcome. Welcome back, buddy. Always a pleasure, my friend. All right. So uh, I, I have prepared a list of of political stories, and I feel like I got I got uh, you know most of them. If there's anything that you feel uh, uh, that that needs to be added, then we can throw that in there. And then uh, if if you listening uh, uh, at home feel like something that we totally missed. I don't think that we're going to miss any of the top three stories. I feel like I've got anything that would be in the nominee uh, in, in the nominees for top three stories, but uh, uh, we're, we're going to go in chronological order here starting in January. There is a lot to get through and I'm going to do this in chronological order in the order that it happened. January 5th, <laughs> Georgia has runoff elections. And I just want to, again, set the stage here for people. Donald Trump has not conceded in his run for the White House. Uh, one of the Democrats or both of or sorry, both of the Republicans had been embroiled in an insider trading scandal when COVID first hit uh, uh, that they were moving stocks that they shouldn't <laughs> have uh, that that specifically related to things that would eventually become very, very popular throughout the pandemic. David Perdue, who's now running for governor, uh, gets COVID, so he can't even campaign in the final two weeks. <laughs> and meanwhile, uh, 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 John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock win. Uh, they 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 flip both of Georgia's Senate seats blue. Uh, I think that low key, considering the fact that we've spent so much of this year talking about what's happening in the Senate, a Senate that the Democrats control our first story of 2021, our first political story of 2021 to me might not only be the most important story in January. And we'll get into the other half of that in a second, <laughs> but it might be one of the most important stories of the year. January was a hell of a start for the year. <laughs> a hot start. huh? <laughs> yeah. I, I think all of us were, Hoping that 2021 would would uh, like take a different route than 2020. Calm down it, a little bit. Yeah, it did not. <laughs> no, no, no. It started off hot. So not only do we have the big upsets in Georgia, then of course the next day, the very next day, very next day. Yeah, uh, uh, we have the riots throughout the capital, uh, which obviously continues to be something that we talk a lot about. And I guess, let me just say this. I do think that, that the elections on the fifth were more uh, 
you know, they, they mean more than what happened at the Capitol the next day. While, while it happened at the Capitol the next day, certainly better TV, certainly better <laughs> visuals. Uh, uh, and, and I guess you can say existentially, if, if let's say American democracy falls within the next five years, then I'll be willing to, to revise my, uh, my, my, my initial assessment. But I, I just think functionally in terms of what we've talked about uh, since then, the fact that there are 50 democratic senators has had more of an actual effect on the lives of Americans than what happened in the Capitol. This is why I, I tune in for your take, Justin, uh, cause I hadn't even thought of that. I, I think I kind of was captured by the big TV moment of January 6th, the, the riot. Um, yeah, that's, that's spot on. Yeah. I don't, yeah I, so, I, so what specifically about, uh, that it, it makes it a, the bigger story. Well, I mean, so, so what have we, and, and, and we're going to go through some of these, uh, uh, throughout, throughout the rest of this, but we, uh, the, the Democrats then passed a American rescue plan, which was their, uh, uh totally partisan, uh, via <laughs> reconciliation version of a COVID bill. They, uh, have, you know, uh, well, the, 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 the infrastructure bill was bipartisan, but that we've spent so much time and God, if I had, if I got paid by uh, uh, the, the, the minute where I've talked about the ins and the outs of the build back better bill and, and all the, the things that have gone on, that might be the bulk of what I've talked about on this show for, for, for 2020. <laughs> it might be the number one story just because it has dragged on and on and on and on. That doesn't exist. If, if they don't have two senators, the, 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 the viability of Joe Biden's agenda radically changed. The second that that election happened, and that happens before one of our other stories, Joe Biden is inaugurated. Uh, uh, I think also somewhere in there, uh, they let Trump back on Twitter so he could say uh, <laughs> that he was going to peacefully turn over the uh, uh, powers of the president. So we'll, we'll, we'll lump he, those two together. Was it January that he was booted from uh, suspended from Twitter as well? From social media? No, I was that think before? he'd been suspended. No, well, actually, I think he was. No, no, he was. No, he was suspended from Twitter before because he was denying the election. <laughs> and then he yeah. was let back on Twitter so he could tell everybody to go <laughs> home. And then he was booted back off Twitter shortly after that, if so, I remember correctly. You're absolutely right that the January 6th right has, I think it's been covered exhaustively yes. uh, in the media. So, um, I, I would say is, over, over, if I'm going the, the elections on the fifth undercovered, uh, yeah. uh the, 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 uh, uh, riots on the sixth overcovered. And, and I don't, I, I wanna, love I, that. I don't, I don't mean to say that it's min. I don't want to minimize no, it. No, 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 no. It was a big thing. But yeah. I do think, is anybody like, I need more information on this? I feel like we've got the most amount of information on this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's tricky. It's tricky. It, it, it's like, there is a little bit of fatigue from that story. I think uh, there, there, is, there is a desire, obviously, with folks, especially who are very, very critical of Donald Trump, that they want the moment where you know, he does the Jack Nicholson, uh, 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 you can't handle the truth kind of like, <laughs> like he admits that he ordered the code red. Like, I, I feel like that's, that's like the one thing that I think some people want. I don't know if they're going to get it. So here, let, let's, let, let's keep breezing through these. Some, yeah. 
some uh, uh, off the cuff stuff that I, I forgot happened in January. R slash Wall Street Bets leads a oh, yeah. short squeeze on the GameStop stock on January 28th. The short squeeze caused the retailer stock price to reach a pre-market value of over $500 a share, 30 times the $15.25 valuation at the beginning of the month. That, of course, led other stocks uh, that were were similarly extended uh, as, as short sellers. And so the, the, the public... The the citizen investor Kevin rose up and and, and reached out. I don't think that Brilliant. this is this is going to have a shot to really uh, even break out of, of of the January month. But that did feel like a larger moment. I'm putting it in here by the way because yeah. there because it did lead to congressional hearings for sure. Yeah, and and to a theme that was extremely unexpected and remains ongoing, like with the, with the mm-hmm. Pelosi stuff that we'll get into later. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that was a nice moment because I remember uh, I remember going to Wall Street Bets before then, and it was just sort of like these these guys who were having fun and you know being uh, just playing around and chatting. It was a lot of memes. I, I think yeah. like I, I went for the memes, and then it was I was like I felt like our guy was winning. I wonder or, what what is that? I mean, because because yeah. I, I I think <laughs> there there was a very kind of David versus Goliath element to it. Spot on. Uh, yeah. To me, it also is something where the the there was a real media conversation happening where you had a lot of the anger on the Reddit's were like, yes, we are actively organizing. And we are actively trying to enrich ourselves at the cost of these other people. But guess what? If you have a problem with that, then please direct it to CNBC. Please direct it to Fox Business, <laughs> where these hedge fund guys go on and actively direct and organize people yeah. to do, usually us being, uh, I'm speaking as a citizen investor, despite the fact that I don't even have a Robinhood account, like uh, uh, <laughs> that, that you, you program us to do your bidding and run us into stocks that might not even matter, but, but you need them to go up so you can sell out of your position on them. And so now, ho, 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 we have a machine gun. Now there's enough (laughs) people that we can hit a critical mass on a subreddit compared to what you do on television. And I think in a lot of ways, this was just as big of a media story. It it was, it was, it was also like a, a revolution, basically a brief revolution. And it was disruptive. And it, it was like, uh, it undermined the elite class. Yes. Which, which is, well, you know, I think that's what America is largely about. So there was, and we do like the underdog. Um, so it, it, that aspect of it was really nice. Is that part of also like, if we are in a wave of populism, and we can describe that from, you know, the 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 MAGA chads to the anti-work movement. Like everybody, <laughs> everybody among them all believe that there are sinister forces above us that we need to destroy. This is another example of that. Like, where do you think we are in our in our modern populist? movement like are, are we are we in the beginning are we in the middle or, or are we are we in the end i i, I tend to yeah. think that we're kind of question. closer to the back half of the middle to the end because now we've kind of discovered 
what is possible, once you start actually screwing with reality, usually that's when things wind up going haywire and, and there becomes a new order because we get scared about, you know, uh, 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 things being not as dependable as, as, as they once were. But I would, I, I would, I would guess, where, where would you say we are? Controversial take. I think it all began with the beanie babies, the, the beanie baby craze. Please go the, on. Please go on. <laughs> in uh, the nineties. Uh, there's a great documentary on HBO about the whole beanie baby saga. And uh, there, and what strike, what struck me is that like, there's this movement toward like uh, the people frenzying toward some greater goal. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, you know, individuals being pitted against each other. And then, you know, we've seen, we've seen the charts of like the political divide happening. Yeah. Um, so I think all, all we needed was like a, a, a psychopolitical uh, invasion, which I think happened post nine 11. Yeah. So yeah, it's all about the Beanie Babies. We don't have Trump without the the uh, Beanie Baby Revolution. No, no Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies plus nine eleven equals Trump is what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, my last story here in January, and I'm just going to include a bunch of these because I feel like this man had a hell of a year. My man, uh, Andrew Yang began his year living in Georgia. Uh, working as a Democratic, a full-time Democratic operative, moved to Georgia yeah. with his family so he could help elect and successfully did Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. Within the month, he announces his candidacy for the <laughs> mayorship of New York. So uh, oh, we don't man. have to go over it because we will we will come back to a very, very busy Andrew Yang. But just remember that he begins his year knocking on <laughs> doors in Georgia for the Democratic Party. Uh, all right, moving on to February. We have a joint World Health Organization and Chinese investigation into the origins of COVID. That investigation determines that a leak from a Wuhan virology lab is unlikely and natural transmission is most likely. This investigation is immediately criticized by almost everybody in the virology community, including members of the investigation themselves <laughs> once they leave China. <laughs> the, um, there's a good, a good book that came out a few months ago by Matt Ridley. Yeah, cool. and and uh, Alana Chan, I believe. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's a very dense book, but good. I and I, I mostly agree. Like I, I like how careful they are with their wording. Yeah, and I, I mostly agree with their. Can you get yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, summarize summarize the 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 their 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 their, their basic point? Uh, although it is very hedged, so uh, you know. So their their bombshell basically is that look this thing most likely most likely leaked from a lab it was not designed as some bioweapon because the, those two things have been conflated yeah. if it leaked from a lab it must have been a bioweapon he, he uh, they argue no it, uh, if it had been a bioweapon they would not have released it from in the Wuhan lab in Wuhan yeah. like. Uh, and he just goes through the history of, you know, lab leaks. And there's kind of the, you know, the the simplest explanation was, so, you know, the it, 
somebody made a mistake in the lab. Uh, yeah. And it's it's a pretty which happens, it's a pretty which happens. This is not yes. a thing that is unknown or crazy or necessarily yeah. even particularly by the record sloppy for a lot of these <laughs> kinds of labs. It happens. It, it, this one, this one happened to be a bigger oopsie than others. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that most of like the human tragedy or most of human tragedies begin as sloppiness or accidents. Yeah. Not, not so much as these like sinister, you know, comic book esque schemes. No. Like most of what we've done throughout history is just make mistakes. That's that's what we do. It's it's, it's our natural export. Uh, I, I put this on here because I do believe that this was the first time that I can remember there being a real thaw in the idea of like, okay, if you're saying that there's a possibility of a lab leak, that you are reckless or or a conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. or a racist that that mm-hmm. there there was a lot of loaded elements into the concept of the lab league stuff largely because of who was talking about it and and like you said it uh it was conflated with a lot of things that it's like oh well fauci intentionally uh, released his bioweapon or whatever <laughs> all of which is is very silly but the idea of understanding where this came from i do think is important and this was the first time where it seemed there was for me at least it felt like there was a little bit of a turning to say like okay yeah. if this wasn't a lab leak then why is china strong arming like these investigators to the point where they're like recanting what they said a day ago, as soon as they leave the country, like that, 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 that felt like a bridge too far, uh, for, for some of the international community. And now, and the lab leaks have started getting taken a little bit more seriously. That that was fascinating to me too. And, uh, and to be completely honest, you know, we, we talked more or less about this kind of early in COVID, uh, it, that, I fell for it. You know, I, I thought, God, man, this is, it's crazy. Uh, Cause a lot of it was coming from conservative media. This idea yeah. that this, there's this like huge conspiracy. Um, Plan- plandemic. 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 The, the, viral, the viral video uh, that, that yeah, ex- explains everything down to the decimal point of exactly why COVID was released as an intentional bioweapon and who funded it, which I, I think that is, is not uh, uh it's not how I would follow the virology of COVID, but uh, it certainly was popular. But 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 you're right; that was kind of synonymous with the idea of the lab leak. The lab leak initially, for sure. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Then they go over like that abrupt change because it was sort of overnight the change yeah. in uh, the conversation that suddenly it's not uh, a, con- a conspiracy minded idea to to think that it leaked from a lab. I mean, uh, within months from this, we've got Jon Stewart doing like a monologue on Colbert show about how ridiculous it is to think that anything else happened. You know, that that it is that it's it, it's I the, love the concept Jones- of a natural tra- transmission is is laughable when you could just say, oh, maybe it leaked from the virus factory. <laughs> I, like, I like that virus factory. Yeah. Uh, you no, know, I. John Stewart's a good metric too, by the way. I like that. It is an interesting one. I mean, certainly when you go from pandemic to John Stewart, we have crossed <laughs> a we have crossed a cultural membrane. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all right. Uh, our other story here in February, former president Donald Trump. So he is out of office at the point that this happens, is impeached again on charges of abuse of power and obstruction of justice. The president's so nice. They impeached him twice. Uh, <laughs> I, of the two, I, I, I think he, he, he more deserved this one, but even then it was really what, like this was getting him on tax evasion for the fact that like, Hey, just when you lose the election, can you please quit? It just makes it easier for everybody. <laughs> like you don't have to like it. Like you can be like Hillary and say that you were robbed for the rest of your life, but you do just have to quit at a certain point. That's really what he was getting impeached for. Yeah. Yeah. He had his, he had his army pretty riled up. Uh, yeah, that that was interesting. It's it's so interesting that Trump accounts for literally half of the impeachments in American history. <laughs> <laughs> like one one term, uh, but he. I mean, I think there's like something poetic about that too. You know, it's like he went. That's yeah, a, that's a pretty good summary of like Trump. You know, like if I were writing his biography, I would open with that. Like the man who was impeached twice. Yeah, I and and. Um, it's still to me very weird that he didn't get got for the Mueller stuff because it seemed like there was more road laid for that. The Ukraine thing to me, I think only seems sillier the further we, uh, the further we move along and maybe the most silly right now, as it looks like Russia's about to invade Ukraine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 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 this one, it's like, look, I, I, I can understand. Also, it's like all politics are local. And I will say this, mm. While we can be blase uh, about the, the the January 6th stuff outside of DC, that was a local tragedy. That was a look. That is something yeah. that I think has left deep, deep, deep scars for folks that are in what is essentially a very small town. That was, that was a very psychically disruptive moment for a, 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 a relatively small community. So uh, uh, there is that. And by the way, Everybody in that community are the people that are voting to impeach you. Oops. Okay. So there we go. You're going you're to catch the L on that one, Donald. Uh, moving on to March. The only story I have here, and this is another one that we're going to keep uh, uh, you know, checking in on, global vaccinations, which again, only started rolling out in December, uh, had by March hit 500 million. So that is about the speed of our, of our early global vaccination effort. Yeah, that was that was wild. That was an interesting. Uh, what what's the number now? Uh, you know how much that's gone up? Uh, yeah. If you give me if you give me a second, I'll be able to figure it out. Uh, in fact, uh, while I'm figuring that out, uh, uh, when did you first get vaccinated? Uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty pretty quickly. I, I was. I'm, I'm pro. Uh, pretty pro vaccine. But one thing that's that has bothered me is the sort of like the vitriol aimed at the the anti-vax crowd like which to be clear i think a lot of times the anti-vax argument is basically a dangerous uh flat earther approach yes uh, yes and I, I mean you can trace like the first anti-vaxxers anti-vaxxer, emerged immediately after the first vaccine like which yes. was for, for cowpox where they they were like taking cow cow blood putting yep. it in people and the first anti-vaxxers said, uh, don't do that. You're going to turn into a cow. Yeah. Uh, 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 by the way, nine billion doses worldwide. Wow. And in the United States, 
we are at 500 million. So it it took us to the end of the year to get to where the global number was uh, in in March. So as many people that were vaccinated globally in March are now solely uh, or doses have been uh, uh, given out here in in the United States. So uh, there we go. I, I assume that this is a dose number. So nine billion doses. 500 uh, that is million quite here a jump. in the U.S. as of now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really, really hate the way that we've contextualized and talked about our vaccination numbers because I, I think that by and large, they're pretty good, especially when you understand that there's just going to be about 20% of the populace that's never going to take it. Yeah. Um, that are, uh, and, I mean, there's like 9% that are hard, no, absolutely not. There's like, you know, you know, 15, the, uh, then, then the, from 15 to nine, you've got the probably never, and then you've got more persuadables, but, uh, uh, I think it's been, it's been pretty good. And, you know, the, the problem that I think we have now with, with the vaccines is that w- what is fully vaccinated? I yeah. don't know. And I follow this pretty closely. Like if I was unvaccinated now, cause they say, okay, well, well, Fully vaccinated, it's three doses. And I was like, okay, so if I was unvaccinated now, would I get one shot, wait two weeks, one shot, wait two weeks, one shot, wait or wait two weeks, get another shot? Or would I get two shots and then wait four months and then get another shot? Is this a, a situation where we should be thinking, hey, every periodical you know, couple of months, we're going to have to get another shot, at least until this kind of wave breaks? Like... I don't know. I, I feel like like we there, there's just so much confusion here still. And I think that confusion has validated a lot of what, uh, understandably, justifiably, um, sort of proven a lot of the point or, or like solidified a lot of the points that the, the anti-vax crowd. And I don't, I'm not trying to disparage anybody, you know, because uh, I I think the real problem is this like, and this is mostly on Twitter of yeah. uh, people like celebrating the deaths of uh, anti-vaxxers dying yeah. from COVID. I I thought, I think that's a really ugly, uh, ugly way to handle things. I don't think that helps anything. And it no. certainly doesn't like, uh, like if you hear that as an anti-vaxxer, like your conclusion is not like, Oh, that's a really good point. I, I should go get vaccinated right now. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, look, from my perspective throughout this entire process, I'm like, if I believe in the vaccines and I do, and I believe that I have on some level an audience for which is going to listen to me that is intellectually diverse. That includes some folks that will never, ever, ever take the shot and some folks who definitely will. And then a bunch of folks in the middle that for various reasons might be hesitant. Then my job is to be a burger salesman. I'm going to tell you about all the good stuff that happens with this burger. I'm going to tell you how safe the burger is. I'm going to tell you how delicious it is. I'm going to tell you how much better my life is now that I had this burger. Here's what I'm not going to do. Spend a ton of time trying to sell burgers to vegans. Yeah. Like, like it's fine. Yeah. Look, if you are there, then that's, I get it. I get it that there's going to be a market that will just not hear my argument. And and that's fine. Like I will try to keep it as positive as possible because here's what I want to do. I want to tempt one of those vegans. <laughs> over, <laughs> I want a persuadable vegan. I want, I want, I want somebody who's, who, who might want to stray over to this burger side. So that's, that's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think as usual, we found, especially online, we found something to fight about April. <laughs> Raul Castro 
resigns as first secretary of the Cuban Communist Party, ending more than 62 years of rule by the Castro brothers in Cuba. So uh, I didn't know a whole lot about this one. I wanted to ask you what your take on this was. Well, you know, the the Cuban situation is something that has always been front of mind for me because I grew up in South Florida, where it is such mm. a very much a local issue. The Castros are reviled in a in a way that I could only kind of compare to, you know, a a a, a Hitler or a Pol Pot or a Stalin <laughs> by those that are local. Uh, the the local uh of uh, hatred of of the Castro regime is something that is palpable. And it's because mm. a lot of the, those wounds were still very, very fresh for, uh, you know, the, the South Florida community. I think what's happening in Cuba, uh, and by the way, we don't cover this going forward, but after this, there was an uprising of mm. protesting in Cuba, something that you don't normally see. God, that's right. we, we found out why. Uh, because you know the the rest of the year has been spent punishing the dissidents who uh, you know went out and did it. But uh, uh, you know Cuba Cuba's just woven into the fabric of 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 South Florida. So it's something that I always pay attention to, and uh, I can only hope that uh, the 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 Cuban people, both in exile and uh, there locally you know, continue to uh, uh, have their voices heard in a way that that has not been heard, certainly throughout the the regime of the Castro brothers. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I hope they find freedom. Um, so you you mentioned this phrase and you've said it a couple of different ways. Of uh-huh. all, all politics are local. Yeah. I like that idea. Well, I mean, what specifically? I, I feel like I understand it, but I don't fully understand well, you know, and this is this is a great conversation to have as we go into the midterms. But but I I often am, am fond of saying whenever we talk about the midterms, yes, there's going to be an element of a national brand to it. And I think that when you're talking about a national brand of a party that is talking about economic issues, it matters more than, let's say, foreign policy issues. You know, gotcha. uh, uh, when when we were you know younger and like the war in Iraq was like the biggest thing on people's minds, I was fond of saying that, look. A, a, a local representative who's running for the House of Representatives, uh, uh, the the constituents that are actually going to vote for that person cares more about whether or not they believe the new McDonald's should be west of Main Street or east of Main Street <laughs> than they care about whether or not Saddam Hussein should face the Hague or hang because of, you know, <laughs> with, with, with the Bathis. Like, uh, uh, there is, how, how does it affect me? is always yeah. the first question that anybody should ask in any kind of political setting. And so all politics are local are kind of the, 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 uh, you know, truism that sort of uh, goes along with that. Do you think that relates to the, the, what you were describing as the, the populism that we're experienced or that we've experienced? Yeah, I do. I do. Because I, I think that there are elements of our society that have kind of tilted too much toward uh, uh, the the elite, and and uh, I will say, you know, I think student debt is something that is obviously a loaded issue uh, yeah. because it affects 
it, it's, it's a class thing. It affects what mm-hmm. people think about colleges in general and whether or not they're indoctrination camps and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but like the idea that you can't declare bankruptcy on a student loan. For sure. And that the cost of college has gone up while the worth of a degree has gone down. There's only so much that that I think people will take before, you know, you you see like, hey, I'm I'm in my late 30s now. And it took me until now to buy a house right yes. now. Granted, I lived a life that I wanted to live and, and maybe I didn't want to buy a house before. But still, statistically, I would yeah. have bought a house earlier. Uh, and, uh, sorry. Go yeah. On. And so I, I, I guess uh, I think that there there is now a like, wait, why? There, there's 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 the Internet, I feel like, has given us a tremendous uh, uh, lane of of saying, wait, wait, but why? But why yeah. does this happen? Why can't I declare bankruptcy on on student loan debt when when the, the colleges can make a decision to take the most loan sharky, awful interest rate stuff? They're mm-hmm. not looking out for me. And by the way, no. where is all this money going? It's going into a trust. That they then just make real estate investments in. It's not even like there's like a stipend where where I can get a, a a loan from the school I went to so I could start a business and I can further their reputation. It's literally just so they can buy more land and and make more money that goes into their endowment. It, it's I, I I I'm using that as an example. I think that they they are they are rife throughout our our modern world where there's a lot of questions a the the general knowledge of these things are higher because of the internet so easy to look up yeah but also there's just a lot of why oh for sure yeah it's there's a lot of shadiness too and i think the bigger story uh like beyond the indoctrination uh the, the indoctrination angle is this idea that like universities have become so bureaucratic that like yeah. the administration side like vastly outnumbers the the um, professors and the, the educational purpose of the university. Um, that, that's why I like Gen Z too. I feel like they're so disruptive. I feel yeah. like they're they are asking why a lot. I and think they should. Part of that. Yeah. And they should. I mean, and God, geez. I mean, uh, uh, a lot of things we know. just said yes to. They're saying no to. And, 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 and God knows where, 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 you know, when, when we come out of all the, the, the school disruption stuff yeah. and, and you know, the, someone's, someone's going to pay for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. April census data is released and it shows that California will, for the first time in its state's history, lose a congressional seat for the first time. New York, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia also lose a seat because they have, at least relative to the rest of the country, not grown as fast. Texas gains two seats due to its rapid population growth. Also gaining one seat each are Florida, Montana, North Carolina, Colorado, and Oregon. So I I, I wanted to kind of highlight a few things. Number one, I think people might uh, uh, think that this is a, a South uh, you know, especially like a, a red state growth thing. But but let's also mm. remember that Colorado and Oregon, who are not in the South and are not, uh, you know, are, are now re- reasonably safely Oregon, a very safe blue state, Colorado, a a blue state with maybe some purplish tendencies. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, a uh, uh, lot of conversation, especially through 
through through COVID about population uh, uh, changes, uh, including me, who left from California to Texas. I was uh, going to say helping their cause. Yeah, you're you're part of this in like um, from three different angles too, because there's Florida. Yeah. Uh, and the, the Texas migration. I know you weren't literally a part of this because this is based on census data. But yep. this this was this was a fascinating one. Cause I feel like with without Oregon and Colorado, you could definitely make the argument. Like, I mean, you've got New York, Illinois, and California, like which contain the three largest cities in this, the country. Yeah. So I feel like there has been, I mean, there's definitely been a migration from cities, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I mean, well, I mean, it. it I, I think there might be an argument to be made that we had reached peak city because for years <laughs> there was migration toward cities. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and, for sure. You know, something that happened when I was traveling a lot before I did. I started this podcast when I was traveling for business. The one thing that I kind of realized was that everything that I used to think of as the cool thing in mm-hmm. the big city, in a New York, in an LA, in a San Francisco. There were kind of versions of that almost in like every city now, like the yeah. cool, like, like, w- w- like what we cheaper, would think of in the aughts as like the reason, why do you go to, to, to the big city? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. besides art. Right. And so there still is a, a, a very much a monopoly in big cities on art. Yeah. Uh, we should change food, that by the way. Uh, uh, yep. Well, that's a population thing. Uh, 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 food, <laughs> drink, uh, and quirkiness and now like food drinking quirkiness like look yes the best food in the world might be in new york or in san francisco but like the really really good food you can find really really good food in a lot of different places now it's not all just applebee's uh uh in in boise it's not all uh uh you know the the idea of of cool mixology bars or craft breweries (laughs) stuff like that now they're everywhere for sure i i like that i think that's one of the positive outcomes of the atomization of the modern person and the the atomization of modern society, which has a lot of has had a lot of bad outcomes, but I like that. I, I feel like we have gained in our lifetimes, and, and just in the past three years, we've gained a lot more space, personal space. Yeah, yeah. we've become well, even less European. Certainly, certainly, I have. Considering this big ass new house I got, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, okay. April CDC and FDA paused the Johnson and Johnson vaccine administ- uh, uh, vaccine uh, administration. So people getting the shot on fear of blood clotting. There had been six blood clotting things. I will stand here at the end of 2021 on my take that I made way back in April. I thought this was harmful. I thought this was actively playing defense against uh, the vaccination effort. I think yeah. that uh, the Johnson and Johnson shot for whatever you might think of it and whatever we might now know about its efficacy, it's better than nothing. And for mm-hmm. people who are made nervous by the mRNA technology, which is a personal decision, you have your mm-hmm. right to be nervous about stuff. The The fact that the J&J shot exists, I thought was vital. And, and to put public, put it, put the, the government stamp on on saying maybe this is dangerous i thought was <laughs> was 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 more effective anti-vaxxer uh, uh uh propaganda than anything that you that your aunt was sharing on facebook 
Oh yeah, that was that was huge, and there there was a lot of that too. I'm glad you're including these because we have several themes, and like this year definitely was one of the biggest themes was the vaccination element. Oh yeah. Well, this this was the year we were supposed to be emerging. And and in fact, we're going to get to there in a second. Uh, uh, First, in May, fighting between Israeli forces and Palestinian militants continues to escalate. The death toll exceeds 150. Uh, An Israeli airstrike destroys a high-rise office building in Gaza occupied by the AP and Al Jazeera and other media outlets. This was one of those stories. We don't have to spend a lot of time here, but it's like. Guys, it seemed pretty (laughs) clear that you knew who your roommates were in this in this building. 100 percent and that's like that was another confirmation from i've heard a lot from people reporters in conservative media who have gone to israel and they've just described like there's there's a different behavior there's a behavior with like the palestinians and i'm not taking a palestine israel stance that's suicide uh but there's a different behavior that they have when they speak with palestinians uh the, the pla because there's, they don't really care about how, the, if they say something that's like offensive or dangerous, because yeah. they just assume that it's not going to get reported. Uh, because AP, uh, like even the, the the big networks, CNN, all of that, uh, um, they have a tendency to, to just like pull the sort of uh, slogan worthy quotes. Uh, and you know, uh, in conservative media, they're like, wow, you, 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 uh, they, they often don't say which outlet they work for. So maybe there's an ethical question there, but they, they come to the conclusion of like, well, yeah, I'm definitely going to put that at the front of the story. (laughs) What you just said Uh, there about, I've only been, I've only been to Israel once and it was many, many years ago. Uh, I, I think that there are some immutable facts that I think have transferred Place is tiny. Uh, yeah. The Gaza Strip is even smaller. The Palestinian uh, territories are small as well. Doesn't feel like a place to me with a lot of secrets. Right? Like, <laughs> I, it doesn't feel like a place to me where people don't know what the hell's going on. Look, when I was when I was living in Hoboken and I was living above a pizza place that only dealt in cash and was closed on Super Bowl Sunday, there was, I was pretty sure it was a mob front. Right. I'm pretty sure it's a place to clean money. Like it's just when you live close to things, you know more about them. So like, uh, like when, when, when the, you know, the, the IDF blew it up and they're like, what? We had no idea. Hamas. Jeez. It's like, come on, man. All right. Uh, also in May, Liz Cheney is stripped of her GOP leadership. Cheney was the highest ranking Republican in the house to vote for the impeachment of Donald Trump. Man, I want to go out to uh, uh, Wyoming and cover this primary. I feel like this is—I yeah. I, I might need to coax you out. I feel like there's going to be a I lot of pathos. We, we should—we should head on out. To, we should, we, you know, get some boots, and, and it'll be a good time. Let's do it, man. All right, uh, staying in Israel. Uh, this is in June. Uh, the 2021 Israeli presidential election is held and won by Isaac Herzog. Uh, this is gets into parliamentary stuff, but basically it yeah. means that Benjamin Netanyahu is out. Naftali Bennett uh, forms a coalition with the Israeli opposition and he becomes the prime minister. Uh, also in June, the number of vaccinations administered exceeds 3 billion. Man, Netanyahu's, Netanyahu's sort of downward spiral was interesting. 
there was so so much drama. And His I, I scandal like, stuff is so funny. Like it's all like his hard, son man. was just talking wild, like just drunk as hell. And it's like a bunch of just <laughs> fail sons in a limo talking about like how their dads are doing dirty deals with each other. Like it really was like just a a bizarre succession episode that led to the final <laughs> days of Benjamin Netanyahu. Plot twist. Netanyahu owned the Hoboken pizza place that you lived above. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also in June, the number of vaccination administered uh, uh, exceeds 3 billion. All right. So now we're in July. Uh, uh, we're going to end this podcast by, by having our top three stories. So, mm-hmm. so as we round into the middle of uh, uh, the middle of, of, of our year here, uh, are there any stories that are like, you know, in, in your, in your running so far that, that you believe are, are the top in, in the top three, man, you really, uh, that was a really good point about the, the January 5th, the events of January 5th being more important than January 6th. Cause I was just automatically going to say January 6th. I mean, um, I, I, I have them both in my, in my running right now. I, I have, I have them both circled because at the same time as I, as I can make the argument that January 5th is more, um, is maybe more impactful. It's mm-hmm. hard to say that it's more memorable. Yeah. Like no, that's a it, good it really is a very pedantic egghead take by me. Uh, uh, so <laughs> no, I so, love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and for media stories, for, for media events, it was probably the, the biggest, the January 6th was probably the biggest January 6th was, but then on that, on that side, I might even be circling the, uh, Wall Street bet. So wow, January, January really, January really punched insane. above its its weight. All right, so I'm leaving just those first two in in uh, in 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 January there. All right, July. Joe Biden, in an address to the nation on the fourth of July, says that America is closer than ever to declaring independence from COVID. Now, this is something that has especially become. Uh, come back into the public eye because we are now facing a right after this uh, mm. Delta became a a big story here in America. And then Omicron is currently ravaging uh, America. Although hopefully uh, uh, with a, a much, much, much lower hospital hospitalization and death rate, although a greater transmission rate. Yeah. Where does this rank for you from your perspective? Like, is this George Bush on the aircraft carrier with mission accomplished? Like, is this just, you know, him trying to bring a little bit of optimism and, and, uh, uh, you know, having it run into, in, into reality? Where, where is your take on this? Yeah. I, I think that, uh, this is interesting because we, we haven't really, uh, taking the dive into Biden yet? Because this was a, uh, an interesting year for him. I think yeah, this we're, was we're, just a- we're about to get into it because uh, uh, this, is, this is yeah, this is this is the first uh, uh, the, the first little uh, 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 snowflake that that falls onto the top <laughs> of the hill and eventually gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it was. I mean, Biden's Biden's the gaff guy. You and I saw it repeatedly in person. Yeah, uh, you were. I, I always remind, I tell this to people too. You were there when he, he was talking about the hairy legs Dog. thing, and that was, no, was no, that, no, not hairy legs, not hairy legs. Dog face pony soldier. Dog face pony soldier. And you said that was like actually one of the more uh, lucid things he said during that 
Yeah, the, the extended uh, monologue on a wife getting beaten and thrown down the stairs was the one where I was like, what the hell are you even talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's just, that's a strange metaphor. Um, I I think um, what, so I don't know if I talked about this. I, I think you and I talked about this personally, but like uh, the beginning of the years when I um, canceled my membership to the press pool, White House press pool. Yeah. And in the, in the, the email I sent, I said like, Hey, you know, it really seems like you guys are going to take a four year vacation. So I, I probably shouldn't pay the, you know, it's only like 70 bucks a year or whatever, but um, yeah, I, that's the other side of uh, the coin. I mean, that's been backed. Like people have run the content analyses on it already. Just like the coverage of, you know, previous presence before Trump and then the coverage of Trump just spikes precipitously. And then it seems like we're either going back to normal or maybe lower than normal with the coverage of Biden because he is often so disastrous uh, in his just with regard to optics. Well, all right. So so here's my I, I've thought about this a lot because I posted uh, uh uh, the, the the clip of him doing this when he gave his speech on Omicron last week. And I got some blowback of people like, uh, what do you, how was he supposed to know the variants happen? So I thought about it. Here's yeah. my take on it. I really liked this address. Hmm. I think that what we needed was more of this address. Yeah. Because he did say we're closer than ever. Let's look at the progress that we've made. This was around the time that the CDC said that there should not be a mask mandate if you're vaccinated. If if what he wanted to be was the COVID recovery president, then the problem that I have with this is that there wasn't more of it. Let's yeah. not retreat into our shell whenever there is a problem. Let's understand the problem. Let's understand what we have. And then let's move forward. But the second that you start you know, going back and forth, I think the problem that he had with it was that he was as rosy and optimistic and then went back. And so it's like <laughs> once you do that, then then how much of your authority on this process are you seeding? How much do we care about the way that you think about this? If if it starts out saying, hey, we're closer than ever, let's go forward with it. And then you go back, then basically what you're saying is. Oh, I have no idea that variants exist. Like that's, that's the message that you're saying. That's what yeah. you're doing. So I'm fine with what with what he said. I wish that we had had a coherent and co and consistent message that that felt more like that going forward, even in the face of Delta. Because it, it feels that's a solid point. It, it feels like the Biden's first year has been, and I know the first year of any presidency is like tumultuous to say the least. Yeah. But I feel like Biden, um, in response to, you know, Trump's hyper reality uh, and his like his pageantry and, you know, over showsmanship, uh, we all needed a break from that. And but I feel like uh, now we, we need a return like slightly in the other way. I feel like the, the White House has been pr pretty quiet. You know, any of the stories we hear are. Just there are a lot of whispers, but we, I think we need, like you said, 
just take a stance. Come out just, and take just a stance. consistency. Just give yeah. me, like, just tell me a story that makes sense based on your last chapter. I, I think yeah. that, that rightly, rightly it, it, people were sick of the fact that, that uh, uh, Donald Trump was bull in a China shop. Let me yeah. break the thing before we even start talking about it <laughs> and then go from there. Biden has been so reactionary. Yeah. Nothing is happening unless it's, you know, he's not saying anything unless it's four weeks after it's already happened and they've done their perfect little, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, tested message. And those are always bad. They're always milk toast uh, and, and they don't really move us forward. So here we go. July, we're going to get into more uh, a bad week for Biden stuff. Uh, uh, but <laughs> before we get out of July, the 2020 Summer Olympics were held in Tokyo. They were, of course, originally scheduled for the COVID year of uh, 2020, but we're postponed. We move on to August. Joe Biden, after saying that uh, uh, the the withdrawal from Afghanistan that was set to happen on September 11th uh, uh, would not result in the Taliban immediately taking control of the country, would not look like Vietnam with helicopters. <laughs> uh, Why did you have to uh, say that? <laughs> and in August, the last remaining troops from Hamid Karzi Airport in Kabul uh, were uh, taken out. Uh, some of those folks uh, uh, were airlifted off the uh, roof of the embassy. Uh, 20 years of operations in Afghanistan comes to a close. This after a bombing at the airport, uh, r- truly horrifying images yeah. Of Afghanis or sorry, Afghans uh, 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 holding on to a plane as it took off and and yeah. falling out of the sky, a uh, uh, really, 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 really ugly stuff. But uh, you know, the 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 result is the end of of operations in Afghanistan. So we were in middle school um, when this when uh, Afghanistan. No. What? No. High school. Uh, how much school? younger? How much younger are you than me? <laughs> uh 33. Yeah, okay. So yeah, you yeah, you you've got you've got a couple of years. I'm I'm 38. So no, I was I was in I was in college. I was in college when 9-11 happened and 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 the Afghan war began. Is this how you imagine that it would end? Uh, look, I I I think that there's a couple of things that Biden has very much gotten crap for that I, I wonder what the baseline is. Uh, mm. I wonder how pretty you can exit Afghanistan. Wonder, <laughs> uh, uh, how much you can battle the supply chain that has been ravaged uh, mm. uh, through COVID and also is us paying the bill on the fact that we are so dependent on Chinese manufacturing. Like, yeah. I, I, I wonder how much of these things for which, uh, uh, look, Biden has, has, has been drawn some crap hands at, at, at the blackjack table, but I wonder what the deck looked like before and no matter who was playing, <laughs> whether or not they were going to catch some of these. So it's like, it did, is this how I imagined it ending? No, I imagined it ending uh, two or three years after it happened. Uh, uh, yes. 20 years was something that I think was, was a little bit uh, further than we uh, uh, expected. But as soon as it became about, nation building and it became about look at what we're doing look at like you know these are are the the uh you know 
women and girls in, in Afghanistan have never had the kind of opportunities that they're, that they're getting now. Look at that. As, as soon as you started playing into some of these things that I think are, are among Americans better angels, right. Of our, of our yeah. nature. We, we want to bring prosperity uh, of now how we wind up doing it by way of nation building is a whole different story, but uh, <laughs> it is from a political perspective, something that we want. And as soon as that happened, then that's why it lasts 20 years. I, I think it is, it is notable that both Biden and Trump were of the same mind to end yeah. the occupation. Uh, obviously Trump has some uh, Monday morning quarterbacking as to uh, how he would have done it uh, compared to Biden. But th- and on the other hand, Boy, does that boy did that look ugly? Boy, did we not look in control? Boy, boy, Oof. was it really, really bad to see yeah. all this high tech weaponry being paraded around by the Taliban the day before, oh. the day after we left? Like, yeah, I mean, uh, I wonder how pretty it could have looked, but boy, did that look ugly. Hey guys, taking a real quick break here so we can thank the folks that made this year happen. Yes, it is you, the listeners to this show. Thank you to everybody who has listened. Thank you to everybody who's recommended this show to a friend. Thank you to everybody who's left a review on the podcast listening store or directory of your choice. All of you have made this the most successful year that this show has ever had on almost every available metric. And this was in a down year, by the way. Not a lot of news compared to the presidential cycle. We really, really held on to that audience and we grew it just a little bit. I want to thank everybody who head on over who headed on over to takepoliticsseriously.com. Signed up at the $3 level. There you get two bonus podcasts each and every week. And by the way, even during this truncated holiday schedule, those episodes have kept coming. And I want to thank everybody at the Titanic $10 tier, where you get your name read on each and every episode of this free program, including Idris Arslandian, DJ Katie Mack, Neemeister, Dr. G, Lord Scale, Dakin Sayanile, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Pluribus Unum, Pete Spicetti, 70s TV salesman, or spy, D. Really, and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Zombie Doc, Edison, no mention on the podcast, please, Dotcom Junkie, DP4 Bongo, Jewish Lives Matter, 100 Mile Runner, Staff Sergeant Poopers, Diana's Scathing Scowls. Double K Ranch, Pop Gold, the old pinball shop, John Snuffy's off Route 44, Super Zoomy, Neil, Charles, Darren, Olin, and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Miranda, Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Richard, D Laser, Just Another Pilot, Middle Age Mike, The Jan, Will, J Pink, and Andrew. If you would like to join their ranks, Take politics seriously is where you go. And real quick, I wanted to shout out some folks who uh, uh, sent over some uh, end of year bonuses on the Venmo. Uh, David sent uh, an end of year bonus. And let me just shout out Walter. Walter hit me with the C note. A hundred dollars. And an end of the year bonus. Oh man, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has uh, uh, done that. Of course, if you want to hit up our Venmo, it is Justin Dash Young Dash Twenty. 
Okay, that's it for the thanks. We now continue with our year in review with Kevin Ryan. Moving on through August, uh, uh, Kevin realized he had the wrong mic on, so that's why he's going to sound a little bit different. Uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, resigns after a report detailing his sexual harassment claims is released. Uh, this brings to an end what I uh, detailed as the deadbeat dad summer where he had he had one <laughs> summer where he was kicked out of the house and he was going to do everything he can to make the kids uh, uh, know that that he was he was there. He was their guy, but it wasn't a cool dad. <laughs> cool dad summer. Yeah, that was that was a hell of a collapse. Uh, there, did you ever find Andrew Como charming? No, I didn't. But I have yeah. a fairly low expectation for politicians. I, I I very rarely, unless they're very, very, very either self-destructive or uh, just, <laughs> you know, extraordinarily competent. Um, I, 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 I tend to not uh, be too charmed by politicians. And, and really it's like, Andrew Cuomo being the kind of bully guy with the media in his pocket, like yeah. that doesn't take a lot of skill. In fact, you you can tolerate a lot of bad behavior as obviously happened here, much in the same way that if you're in a blood red state, then a, a, you know, governor can say the right things and, and you don't have to be particularly competent. So I never found Cuomo uh, in any way interesting. Who was the, Fox News reporter. She does the, the weather for Fox News. Who she wrote the book. I forget her name. She, she wrote a, a very fascinating book on the the whole uh, Como saga. She was part of the reason it broke open. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, she she lives in New York City. Both of her parents were in nursing homes as a result oh, of. Oh, jeez. They both died. They've died wow. separately too, and so it it became very personal, obviously for her. And then she was she had. Um, dealt with some harassment, not sexual harassment, but harassment from Cuomo as well. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, look, uh, uh, he, all this sort of came down on him, but began to come down on him with the, uh, with, with the nursing home stuff. And, and to me, it's like, that's what, look, if he was going to resign, that, yeah. that's, that's what you, I mean, like, uh, he's, yeah, like, I, I get it. Look, you're on, you're, 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 you're on the learning curve and figuring out, everybody's figuring out what COVID was, but, if the decision to put the people back in nursing homes don't get you, the cover up shoulda. You know, like, <laughs> if, we're, if we're doing the crime, not the cover up, or the cover up, not the crime, then like, yeah, trying to actively cover up the fact that that so many people died, like that, that's the stuff that people were were you know uh, saying about you know uh, Ron DeSantis and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, I. I, I I, I thought his his fall, and then I don't have it on the list, but also the fall of his brother were uh, that was certainly yeah. certainly two 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 falling stars. Uh, Janice Dean is the reporter I was talking about. Okay, got you. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, September. Uh, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but uh, the AUKUS 
A trilateral security pact between Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United States is formed to counter the influence of China. This includes enabling Australia to build its first nuclear-powered submarine fleet. This, of course, pisses off the French, who are going to sell another powered sub to Australia. Uh, by the way, uh, France actually removed their ambassador from America over this briefly. <laughs> Like this was something that I forgot about like, like, of all the of all the if it were Trump stuff. I feel like we would have <laughs> known the name of the French ambassador at the very least if that had happened under Trump. I, I love that last line, too. This pisses off the French. I don't know what it is uh, about that brings me joy. About they pissing were cheese, off the French, dude. Yeah. They, were, they were really cheese. Uh, now, the, the reason why I put this on here is because something that some of the military folks who listen to this show have told me is something to look out for the phrase Pacific pivot. Mm. That specifically when we talk about Afghanistan winding down our adult life, we have really all of our life. We have focused eastward. We yeah. have, we have looked at the USSR. We have looked at the middle East. It seems as if militarily the United States is beginning to look westward. Obviously yeah. China being the opposing uh, uh, force here, but that's why you see deals like this. Yeah. Pacific pivot, huh? The Pacific pivot. Look it up. That's, I All will. Right. Yeah. That's good. Gavin Newsom survives a recall attempt in California, winning by roughly the same margin he did in 2018. The deadbeat dad summer works better for Gavin than it did <laughs> for Andy. This was one of them that like talk about the most telegenic moments of the yeah. year in politics there. I didn't include some of the other uh, big border uh, stuff, but we have had a large amount of uh, border traffic and, and another one of those bad news for Biden weeks, uh, you know, have been around some of their decisions on that, specifically the idea of the fact that now there are more kids in captivity, whether or not they are in cages or cage-like structures uh, can remain up to your, your, uh, your point of view. But this one was crazy. In September, thousands of Haitian immigrants, not Mexican, yeah. not Central American, not Brazilian, Colombian, Venezuelan, no, Haitian immigrants gather on the southern border of Mexico uh, and the United States, creating a humanitarian crisis. Uh, and then this spun into another controversy where a crossing migrant was chased down by a Border Patrol officer on a horse, which which became a tempest in a teapot on whether or not it was too close to evoking images of slavery. But even then... Why are Haitians who are an island nation in <laughs> off the coast of Florida sharing the Isle of Hispaniola with the Dominican Republic? How do they, is there a Dr. Strange portal? Like, like, like how, and mass this to, to, I mean, and I've read about it and, and, and this was a slow time coming because Haiti has been so unstable over the last two decades, let's say charitably, uh, that they, uh, uh, this has been a a a a long time coming. That they were moving uh, en masse from various other countries throughout uh, Central and South America. But good they lord, had a, I, 
Yeah, go. They had a presidential presidential assassination this year as well, right? Is that twenty twenty one? Yes, that was. Good yes. God. What a year for Haiti. Well, I mean, Haiti, Haiti, uh, 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 shout out to all of our uh, Haitian listeners as that is that is uh, another another country for which I've always kept uh, an eye on because so many Haitian immigrants live in South Florida. But uh, good God, has that homeland been in in Oof. just uh, uh, a total, total uh, shambles for, for years and years. Here's another one that's controversial. Uh, the Texas heart fetal heartbeat abortion law goes into effect September of this year. Law states that private citizens can sue anybody participating and performing an abortion past six weeks or after a fetal heartbeat would have been detected. It has no carve outs for rape or incest due to the structure of the law, because it is not the state denying the rights of a citizen, but rather enabling citizens to sue other citizens. The Supreme Court does not rule to stop the law from going into effect, although the chilling effect of the law has been uh, uh, undeniable with many abortion providers in Texas uh, uh, taking actions. The The law, and specifically the Supreme Court's decision to not stop it, has since spurred copycat versions of the law. So it's not the state denying you. It is empowering snitch citizens to (laughs) snitch their way into lawsuits for you. Uh, California has done it with gun control and Florida has now done it with teaching critical race theory in schools. Wherever you want to go from here, do we want to talk about uh, 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 abortion or, or the snitch culture? Oh, let's yeah, let's do ball. I, I love that you connected those two. I mean, you're you're on the ground in Texas. I, I left in t- 2020. Uh, so it was and, and what's also interesting, what's, what's also interesting is how the abortion laws, uh, the abortion law affected this like group, this massive group of people who are coming in from outside of Texas. So uh, there was like kind of a uh, like, hey, welcome to Texas. This isn't. Uh, this probably isn't similar to where you came from. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So, so these will be largely reheated takes from when this first happened. But number one, I think politically, it is a disaster for the Republican Party of, yeah. of Texas. I think that if you are looking to actively activate the rapidly bluing suburbs uh, mm. on something that you know isn't, hey. Zoning laws, taxes, like that's what the, the, the blue suburbs, I believe, of these cities want that. They want yeah. those. They want more Republicans like that and less like the Republicans from the places that they might have come from. Uh, they will vote to keep abortion rights like. Yes, that that is I, I believe politically that in. is a reality. You, you yeah. cannot especially this never one, start with abortion. Well, this <laughs> one also good like. This law is more strict than the Mississippi law that we're going to have a ruling on. I mean, one of my predictions, I think, for 2022 is I do believe that Roe versus Wade is going to be at least partially overturned based on the ruling of this Mississippi law. But the this Texas one went further than that. I think like the, the, the Mississippi one is like 12 weeks. This is at six weeks. The Mississippi mm. one I do believe has a carve out for rape and incest. This does not have a carve out for rape and incest. Like, like it, it just went ludicrous speed beyond the, the, what we thought was the most aggressive challenge toward it. 
so we will see what what happens. But I think that's very Texas. That I mean that, uh, and it it is like it's very characteristically Texas to me that like the sort of maximalism of it. I, I hadn't thought of it from that angle before you said that, but it is there is something unique. There are many unique things about Texas. Well, here's here's the other thing. And this goes back to the populism element that we were talking about. We're in a quest. We're in an era of why. Why not? Yeah. And that also yeah. means when you're talking about local politicians, state politicians, mm-hmm. which have always been circuses. State houses are, are <laughs> the wackiest crap happens at, at state houses in terms of proposed laws. It's a bunch of people that are it's the minor leagues and they're all looking to get called up to the big show. So they're doing things that are constantly attention grabbing. <laughs> but even then, the idea that this would happen, I think, was something that people thought, ah, I don't I mean, that's aggressive, except yeah. in our modern age where it's why not? Why not go for it? Why not do it right now? You're going to be rewarded for recognizing, even if it is a portion of your electorate, making them happy will at least show that you're the person who does things. And and. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that obviously this is going to be something that I do think is ultimately going to backfire on them. I do think it's going to coalesce liberal and Democratic support in Texas. But I think that that's why they do it. That's why Abbott signs it. That's why it gets through. So the the other interesting part, and we we did it up. We did an episode together on this on the the critical race theory aspect. One thing that's that's interesting to me is that if you ask a conservative what were some of the biggest stories of the year? Critical race theory would be there. Yes. Uh, and a, a lot of the people on the left who I've talked to see it as like something that was contrived by conservatives, particularly conservative media or conservative activists. Uh, yeah. We've, we've pretty much been into. We're, we're, we're going to, we're going to get to that in a second. Once we get into the, the, the November races with uh, Glenn Youngkin specifically, but uh, uh, yeah. uh here we go. Uh, uh, let's move in through October. Andrew Yang leaves the Democratic Party. By the way, he loses the primary for, yeah. for mayor. He leaves the Democratic Party and creates the forward party. So he begins in Georgia campaigning <laughs> as a Democratic operative. He announces that he is running for mayor as a Democrat, loses that primary. And before the general election has even happened for the race that he was in. He leaves the Democratic Party, starts his own third party. This was kind of destined that Andrew Yang was yeah. going to be a Ross Perot like figure, right? Uh, have you read Forward? His book? I have not. No, it's great. It's a great read. I mean, a lot of it is like uh, a rehash of the War on Normal People, and uh, a few of the other books he's done. He's done. Yeah, this this was one of my favorite stories of the year. I, and I okay, Andrew Andrew Yang is the only politician that I, as a journalist, feel compelled to be like I like him. He like I I agree with a lot of what he says, specifically about automation and and just the the future, the direction we're going as a country. So I was really happy to see him just throw the deuces in the air and say, I don't belong to anybody. Let's move forward. Um, I don't know. Can, can he do any, is it going to like radically change politics that he left the Democrat party? Uh, All I'll say about it right now is this is the most popular he will be. 
Wow. Yeah. Because. Interesting. Like he is going to do his best. He is out there every day putting his platitudes about, hey, shouldn't we all deserve another choice and blah, blah, blah. And these are things that I believe, by the way. I I actually, I, I do agree with him. But guess what? Once the hot lamp of of, 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 of of the duopoly starts shining on you and it's only going to get worse if you're successful, yeah. uh, uh, you know, this is the most popular that he's going to get on that. Uh, here's one of my favorite stories. Uh, we don't have to talk about it much. The Idaho governor, Brad Little, leaves his state for, for a conference <laughs> in October. When gone, Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeechan issues executive orders on vaccine mandates without his knowledge. Uh, little then overturns them once once he returns. But this was an actual seizing of power and doing things with it. Uh, by the way, uh, as we pointed out when we first yeah. covered this, this is effectively just the beginning of their primary because she is going to run for this job <laughs> this year. Uh, here, November, the World Health Organization convenes an emergency meeting in Geneva amidst concerns over Omicron, the highly mutated version of COVID-19 first identified in South Africa that appears more infectious than Delta. <laughs> By the way, we did not talk a lot about Delta here. Obviously, that was a a, a, a huge, huge, huge uh, uh, wave of COVID. And it does bear pointing out that in America, more people died of COVID in 2021 than died in 2020. And there are yeah. probably mitigating factors there, including tests, but let's just kind of leave that there for now. I feel like we've all talked about COVID enough and specifically Omicron. Yeah. Uh, the results, we did have elections this year. Eric Adams wins the mayorship of New York City. He beat Andrew Yang in the primary and more specifically beat uh, a few other people that had done better than Andrew Yang. And then we got the surprises because there was one race that I was not expecting to be close. That was New Jersey. Phil Murphy, the Democrat uh, for governor, survives an unexpectedly close race against GOP challenger uh, Jack Ciccarelli. What a story that was, too. Absolutely. And then this was the race that I was in uh, on the ground to cover. Glenn Youngkin wins the governorship over over uh, of Virginia over former Governor Terry McAuliffe. Um, critical race theory was the it, education was the story. And, and yeah. the fact that it was education, mm-hmm. not critical race theory. Yeah. Uh, allowed the Republican candidate to unlock positions that he Republicans normally don't do something that, that I think has gotten lost in the conversation of, Oh, they just ginned up a bunch of crazy CRT stuff. It's like, no, (laughs) Glenn Youngkin was, was talking a lot about kids being in school, a lot about the teachers unions having an undue influence. When, when, when Randy Weingarten, who had been, uh, uh, she's the head of the teachers union nationally, when she's touring with Terry McAuliffe, and is getting name checked by Glenn Youngkin and the crowd is booing her. They know who she is. Do you, question to you, dear listener. Do you know who Randy Weingarten is? I'd say probably not unless you followed this issue. Kevin no is idea. shaking his head. Yeah. No, no uh, idea. They did. And they booed her lustily. <laughs> like that means that they are pissed off about education. It means that they are pissed off about uh, uh, teachers unions. But here's the other stuff. He was able to say, Glenn Youngkin, normally the orthodoxy in the, in the Republican Party is we are going to expand school choice. Uh, uh, we want more schools. And that might mean that the budget for our public schools is affected. 
not Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin came out saying, I want to sign a record budget for public schools <laughs> and I want to have more private schools. Like it was uh, a porque no las dos when it, when it came to, uh, uh, when it came to those positions that had not like uh, people got to pay attention to, to, to the evolutions of some of these issues or else you're going to be left behind. If you think that he just won because of CRT stuff, I, I think you are, you are way oversimplifying it. And I saw that mm -hmm. message in, in both the Republican media and, and, and the more liberal leaning media. For sure. Yeah. What's interesting to me, and I'll be brief here, the, the CRT, it was all, it was kind of an exercise in the practice of CRT in a way that I, I think both sides didn't fully, uh, they, they couldn't remove themselves from their opinions about CRT yeah. uh, to realize like, oh, this is actually like critical race theory is in action in front of us and it's evolving in front of us. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that so much of this is is like, you know, it's found a name in CRT, which is like mm. it, I, I can understand why why liberals are are annoyed with it, because it is just <laughs> kind of like built in a Rush Limbaugh prep sheet, like, yeah. uh, you know, scary words, academic, -y, like, you know, like critical oh, yeah. race theory, like it, it just screams elitism and, and, uh, uh, please, we will educate your dumb children so they will be better than you. Uh, uh, but I, I, as, and look, if you guys haven't listened to our conversation, our critical race theory and, and the fact that it is an offshoot of critical theory and Kevin goes way deep in, in, into the, the, uh, uh, philosophy on all that in a, in a previous episode we did. All right, December, let's move here into the, uh, the home stretch. The Summit for Democracy, a virtual summit hosted by the United States to renew democracy at home and confront autocracies abroad, happen, and nobody knows it at all. We were saving democracy, Kevin, and nobody knew it at the time. <laughs> Uh, uh, and let's also include in here that, uh, uh, at least as of now, Joe Manchin uh, in December says that the Build Back Better bill, which was the bulk of the social spending of the Biden uh, legislative agenda, he announces that that is not going to happen as they <laughs> need his vote and he is unwilling to do it. So some more bad news for Biden. I feel like we even forgot some of the bad news for Biden stories. in oh, here, But, yeah. but I, I think I think these were these were they, those were the top ones, as we say in the South. God bless his soul. God, God, God may, may he, uh, God bless him. God bless him. God, so, God love him. Oh, uh, so what's something politically that will definitely happen in, in 2022. That's unexpected. <sighs> if anyone can answer this question, it's just, I mean, Robert I, again, I, 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 th I am going to say that abortion politics, uh, that, that we're going to see, a we're going to see a ruling in the Mississippi case that will either partially or fully repeal Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. And we are going to see federal talk. We'll see whether or not we see federal action uh, on codifying elements of that in law, which by the way, I think we should, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think 
relying on a body like the Supreme Court to safeguard <laughs> things that that we if, if we feel very important about individual liberties should be enshrined in something beyond legal briefs. Um, but if I were to say that would be my big that would be my big swing is that I, I think that we're going to get we're going to we're, we're, we're going to get some movement in this uh, uh, abortion politics stuff. Are we going to see a red wave? I, I, the, the, I, I always bet the, um, I always bet the fundamentals and the fundamentals always say that the, the, the new president loses, uh, seats. I, I think, yeah. yeah, In, in, in the first midterm, I think also the issues that Biden is losing on are bad issues to lose on. Yeah, I you agree. can be an embarrassment in a foreign war. And as long as not too many Americans are dying, <laughs> that can be a thing that just kind of happens. Like you can bungle, you know, uh, other stuff that happens outside the border. Eh, whatever. You can be a doofus. You can say things <laughs> wrong. As long as the economy's going well then it's then it's it's usually okay but All politics are local inflation kills mm. parties inflation kills presidencies yeah. and and if they if that does not turn around and there's only a few ways that that turns around it's either <laughs> they raise rates and piss everybody the hell off or they or, or a recession happens and that pisses everybody the hell off uh, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's going to be hard for them going forward, but then again, maybe we're going to see, you know, a, a, a big, uh, uh, situation with, with abortion rights and that galvanizes democratic support more than it would historically, uh, based on those issues. So my bet would be, yes, certainly a Republican house and, and I would even say probably a Republican Senate, but, uh, at, at the same time, if my other big bet is that we're going to have this mm-hmm. gigantic Pandora's box of of Roe versus Wade stuff uh, of going insane, then then maybe uh, I'm challenging my own uh, my own assumptions. I'm going to use those opinions, by the way, like I always you do. should go. go. <laughs> no, we always this is always the, 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 the PX3 guarantee. Steal my ideas, claim them as your own and uh, uh, be be well and merry for it. I love that. We're, we're uh, populists, I guess. In that exactly. Sense. Spread the wealth. <laughs> Spread the wealth. Uh, okay. So uh, you had January 6th on there. We're now at the end of the year. Uh, uh, yeah. What are your other two top stories here? Uh, let me see. I want to say Cobble. And, okay. Uh, that is that is historic, right? You know, yeah. the fact that. Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, probably the Cuomo brothers. Uh, That was was, uh, interesting. It was unexpected. Um, It was unexpected and it wasn't unexpected, but I just didn't expect there to be so much pie all over the (laughs) Cuomo brothers' faces. They got it. They got it in a big way. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going... I'm going to say, I'm going to go, I'm going to say that the two biggest stories of the, uh, the two of the biggest stories of the year happened within 24 hours of each other in the first week of the year. Uh, so I'm going to say January 5th and January 6th are going to make mine. Uh, 
And then you want to know what? Mm, I was going to say the vaccination numbers. But. Mm, you want to know what? I'm going to go with the Texas law. I'm going to go with I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Texas abortion law just because it has become more than what it is. A it touches on one of the most divisive topics in all of politics, abortion, and also it for whatever you think of it is apparently so clever that other governors are using it for their own as as a cudgel to to beat their own particular issues. And so if it if it is effective and it replicates. I'm going to say that those three are 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 the top stories. Although, really, that doesn't give me any kind of Biden is bad things. Oh, Jesus, right. you want to know what? You want to know what? No, you. I, I would say the Democrats taking the Senate and the fact that and 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 the fact that it's Democrats take the Senate. Dot dot dot. That that is my critique on Biden because my critique <laughs> on Biden was that he's gonna pass stuff. You know, I, I just yeah. went to the LBJ Museum here in Austin, and it's like, boy, is that a legislator's monument to himself? <laughs> like everything he passed is there. It's just every room. Look at all these things I passed. Look at all these things I passed. That man knew how to get things through the Senate. Uh, I was thinking. Biden would be more LBJ. We have not seen any proof of that so far, at least in terms of being able to get the things to the finish line. Uh, The bills have been overbroad. The the divisions between the the Democratic Party have been way too visceral. Uh, So so there we go. Democrats take the Senate dot dot dot. That is my critique on Biden's legislative year. Well done. Well done. Hell Kevin, of a year, can, Justin. I know. Kevin, uh, where can people find you? Uh, the underscore Kevin underscore Ryan on Twitter. Uh, I'm working on a profile right now of oh, Rose yeah. McGowan. Oh, so you that'll be, say it. Can you yeah, say yeah. that out loud? Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah. I, I, um, it, it'll be a good one. Uh, yeah. You and I have been talking about this. I've been kind of picking your brain. Uh, oh, man. Ro- Rose McGowan. So uh, that'll be. That'll be an interesting one. That should be out. I mean, you know how profiles work. It'll they're they're done. They're done when they're done. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So no, I'm very, 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 very curious about uh, uh, what, what what you have there because I think Rose McGowan is somebody who, boy, uh, when 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 you talk about somebody being swept up by forces for which are larger than her, yeah, don't really care about her. Uh, yeah, uh, she she went out of the frying pan and and into the fire uh, when you know she's kind of made the decisions that 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 she's made. So I think she's a fascinating profile subject. I can't wait to read what you do. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, well, I'll I'll be back on to chat about it. Uh, oh, oh hell yeah, when no, it's no, out. We will, yeah, we will definitely do that. Uh, uh, Kevin, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And of course, you, the listeners, thank you for making this an an amazing year 
uh, for the show. Uh, you guys have have kept it afloat, and now we enter in to a midterm year. Finally, the boom, dark boom, side boom. of the moon. We are out of it. We are into the period. <laughs> We've got real primaries. We got real elections this year. I'm going to be all over the place. I can actually travel. Unlike the stupid COVID stuff, we weren't <laughs> able to travel during the presidential election. It's going to be the best, and I can't wait to spend it with all of you listening. Until next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this is the only one that chats about. Oh, Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.